0: I'm Liraz Margalit of ClickTail, and we are talking about how brand journalists can use digital body language to earn and keep an audience's attention online. And you're listening to The Brand Journalism
1: Advantage. Episode 422.
0: Visuals are processed 60,000 times faster than text.
1: The Brand Journalism Advantage, the podcast that teaches the power of storytelling to increase business by attracting, engaging, and influencing consumers. Now, it's time to think like a journalist with your host, brand journalist, Phoebe Changchua. Hello, Brand Journalism community. I'm Phoebe Chong-Chua. Thanks for tuning in to the Brand Journalism Advantage podcast. Here we go with the inside scoop. On today's show, Laraza Margalit. Laraza is a web psychologist and head of behavioral research at ClickTail. She analyzes online consumer behavior from a cognitive behavioral psychological perspective. Her analysis incorporate theory and academic research into a conceptual framework that creates insights into online, consumer behavior, and of course, making that the best possible digital experience for the consumer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, this is, you know, very interesting to me because we didn't have that, you know, of course, exactly. 40 years ago. So first of all, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Just tell us a little bit more. We We heard a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about that
0: about my behavior. So actually, my role incorporates two different parts. So first, I work closely with our analyst and consultant. And what I try to do is to provide answer to the question, why? Why people behave the way they do? What separates their online and, the offline and their offline behavior? What are the differences between these two different and different type of media and of spaces. And the other part of my work is to work closely with our innovation team. So we have data scientists and data engineer and behavioral analysts. And what we try to do is to take all the rich experience that we have gained over the years providing consultant to companies and to productize it. So you will be able to have your own psychologist, your own digital psychologist, but you'll have it automatically. And this platform will be able to provide you recommendation regarding consumer behavior and how people behave, what motivate them, what are the unconscious processes that actually dominate their behaviors.
1: Well, that's very important because just like we see, you know, in marketing with retail outlets, the brick and mortar stores, you have to understand, you know, where they're going in the store. That helps with the product placement. Um, for instance, why candy is at the lower level of shelves. Right. You know, in, right. in a store. Exactly. Because- <laughs> yeah. The
0: supermarket uh, psychology. Yeah, but you know what? We have uh, so many studies about the offline, about the in-store behavior, but it seems as if we don't have enough data about how people behave online, and usually they behave differently online.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, brand journalism community, we are going to unpack that this episode is all about helping you, if you're a brand journalist or a marketer, helping you use digital body language, understand it, and actually earn and keep an audience's attention online so that it becomes that best possible experience for the consumer. We're going in that direction. And here's uh, you know an interesting thing. I hadn't heard of this movie and it's her icebreaker. Larisa writes, Inside Out, which portrays how emotions shape a person's life, is one of your favorite films. So maybe our audience has heard of that, but, but I haven't. Tell me a little bit about it.
0: So it actually talks about the inner work of the brain and how we have so uh, little willpower to actually control our behavior. And you can see in a very lovely way, this is a children's movie, actually, but it's still, it's a lovable movie. You can see how uh, your hormones and your genes and uh, your neurotransmitter in the brain, how they shape your behavior. And this movie is actually focused on emotions on and on the five emotions that we have. And it actually shows... Uh, a uh, scene in a little girl life that they have to move to another place. They have to move to San Francisco from Minnesota and how she experienced all these broad types of emotions and eventually uh, how she overcome her, her challenges. And they actually have a very, very nice way to introduce the, the inner work of the brain.
1: Hmm, interesting all right well I'll have to look for that one out give it a give it a watch to uh, understand a little bit more about that I love films where you're you're learning more about how we work and why we make the decisions we make it, it it's so helpful in marketing um, and in branding too I agree this quote I'd love to get your feedback on. I think it goes hand in hand, and it, it, it does date to before the internet days, but it goes like this few realize how loud their expressions really are. Be kind with what you wordlessly say. That's Rochelle Goodrich. Your thoughts. Right. So actually,
0: this is really reflect um, my ideas and my work, actually, because we know that 70% of our day to day interactions is actually based on nonverbal signals so it's not about what you say it's about how you say it but what most of us don't know that we keep communicating these nonverbal signals in the online arena and we keep communicating our psychological inner, state, inner states using our fingertips and if we can detect the customer's interaction and not only uh, they clicked on a certain product but how they interact, how slowly did they scroll or how fast or how many direction change or if we detect hesitation for example if we take all these into consideration, all these metrics we will we will have uh, a full picture of how customers behave and about their emotions and frustrations and
1: their intent. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's like in those heat maps when you see they keep clicking that one area and it's not Let clickable, and you're like, I better make that a clickable link. They all want to click it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's think, so you know interesting. What?
0: Yeah, but this is actually a usability issue, but I think that we have come a long way and we should go behind those usability issue and not the fact that, okay, so we should make this link uh, linkable, but to understand how customers actually frame their experiences because you know that. As Kahneman says, that we have different type of selves. We have the remembering self and we have the experiencing self. So what I keep telling to my clients, you shouldn't focus on every little experience that your customers had. You should only focus on the significant experiences, the ones that are going to shape their memory. Because their remembered value, meaning that what they are going to remember from their experiences is going to dictate if they are going to come back to your website or not. And not every experience is significant.
1: Right. Share with us a success quote or tip that's meaningful to you. Gosh, there are so many. But
0: if I have to think of only one, uh, I really like to quote Einstein, and you can also see it in my Twitter, Uh, who brilliantly said that we cannot solve problems by using the same kind of thinking that we used while we created them. And as I see it, The only way to come up with an innovative solution is by holding the perspective of one discipline, psychology in my case, and use it to solve problems in other disciplines. Now, in my work, I utilize the broad knowledge that we have today about human behavior and cognition and our brain works to direct our data science team in developing cognitive models that aren't solely based on data, but integrate psychological understanding about about the way we make decisions. Hmm.
1: So you have been at this for quite some time. I can hear how passionate you are. I'd love for you to roll the clock back just a little and share a little more insight into your background so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. But then take us to that moment in time that's considered your career. Highlight your proudest moment.
0: Oh, wow. My entire career flashes in front of my eyes right now. Um, the highlight of my career was to see that an idea that was inspired by my research became a disruptive technology. Now, the sense of achievement was even greater since at the beginning, nobody really believed that this idea could become a reality. Moreover, a, a valuable model for businesses businesses. Now, the idea that I'm referring to was a model that can predict intent and measure the quality of the visit in the site and quality in terms of predicting if a user will come back to the website or not based solely on their behavioral patterns.
1: Wow, that's, uh, that's quite an achievement. And, you know, when you started to put that all together, what was the initial response? Uh, it's not going to work, what they're going to do with
0: that. It's too much psychology. We need to base our products on data. And they were very skeptical.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I bet it feels good to be where you are today. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about a time maybe when it didn't feel so good, that moment when it was that struggle and you might have felt like giving up. Tell us what went wrong. What did you have to do? to fix things? How did you make the changes and what did you learn from your experience? Uh, Okay, so
0: if there is one big mistake I made, uh, and it was a painful one, it was to wait too long before pursuing an idea that I had. I wanted to be 100% sure that this idea is applicable before we start investing in it. And eventually, someone else that I consulted with regarding this idea, one of my colleagues, uh, decided to implement it. Now, today, this idea is a product that, deliver, that delivers a great business success. And, and I've learned that we need to listen to our gut feelings before listening to others' opinion, no matter how experienced they are. And the most important thing is not to be afraid to fail. And whenever I need some inspiration on that, I really like to listen to a TED talk given by Brene Brown. And she's uh, she's talking about how you shouldn't be afraid to fail. And she quotes Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena. And she said that <clears throat> it's worse to spend your life on the outside looking in, wondering what if, than it is to try and dare greatly and risk the chance of failure. And the part that I like the most is if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. And whenever I need some inspiration, I keep telling myself that.
1: (laughs) That's so good because, um, you know, when you think about it, you you a lot of times don't want to do something because of that fear of failure. But the most important part, as you said, is, hey, you know what? if I do fail at this, I was going boldly into it and trying my darndest to make it happen. And exactly, that's a cool, that's a cool feeling. Let's get into our top tips where we're talking about what brand journalists, what content marketers can do, and how they can take the, you know, this digital body language, um, unpack it for us. How can they use that? First of all, how do we How do we even find out about it? Um, you know, what are the best tools to get the information and resources and how do we apply it to sell more and attract more clients? Perfect.
0: So uh, as you know, I work in a company uh, called Clicktail and we actually, we are doing experience analytics. So for me, this is the way to research customers' behavior. And the first tip, that I would like to give the audience is to create different content for different mindsets. And I have to emphasize that I'm not talking about different personas, I'm talking about different mindsets, and I will explain. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we were able to identify five different mindsets in order to actually uh, understand the customer's intent. Now, we started off with only two mindsets. We started off with goal-oriented and a browser. And it's important to understand how did we discover them. Now, we conducted an analysis to one of our publishers who has a content site, and he wanted to understand how visitors interact with his article pages. Now, to address his questions, we compared between uh, different type of visitors that arrived from the homepage. One type of visitors arrived to this page, to the article page, after seeing a video on the page, and then they were redirected to the other page. Ma- mainly, they arrived unintentionally. And the other group of visitors, they had a goal. They were a goal-oriented visitor, meaning they arrived from the home page, but they used the search or navigation element to arrive to the article page. Now, when analyzing their behavior, we found dramatic differences in terms of engagement time, the indirected visitors the the one that came unintentionally, they spent two times more time on the page and they clicked on much more. Linkable elements on the page, and they apply associative thinking, meaning going from one article to another. And we have decided to coin those customers the browsers, and they were more passive on the page. They led the website, led the interaction, and think about yourself going back home after a longer day, a long day at the office. Take off your shoes, grab a beer. And said that the computer is if you say to the computer, entertain me. And it does so by providing you with a stimulating environment. While for the goal-oriented customers, they were more active. They led the interaction. They knew exactly what they want. So the best thing for them is not to interrupt them.
1: Ah, yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes in the sales funnel process, we do interrupt too much and, and then it becomes kind of like a, a real life uh, interaction where you're ready to buy and the, the salesperson is just going on and on and, and then you kind of get exactly. you get distracted and then you're like, you know what, maybe maybe this isn't really what I had in mind. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the op- you get the opposite result. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so this is one thing. And, and the other tip is to adjust the content strategy to fit the different mindset. And res- recently, we have conducted a study to learn the psychological differences between watching a video and reading a text. And the findings were based on a study we have conducted to a global news organization. Now, the first thing that we have found is that watching a video and reading a text are considered to be a completely separate cognitive task. So for start, visuals are processed 60,000 times faster than text and that means that watching a video is much easier cognitive task compared to reading a text it is far less demanding and when we read we actively involved we are actively involved in the process we need to process the written words to translate the words into meaning to utilize the mental models that we have to interpret the meaning and we create thoughts about the content And also we produce an inner voice that dials up our attention span. So reading is an active process while watching a video is a passive automatic process. So when we think about more emotional content, we should use video, but for something that you need to be involved in the context, or you need to read, or we want the awareness, so uh, text will be the better option.
1: So I completely agree with all of that. Um, you know, I'm big proponent of putting video on your sites and using it uh, to reach your core audience. But one thing I think that our audience might wonder about is, okay, so you have a pages and you have video and you have text it's about getting them to actually click it whereas a, a text page you're pulled in right away because you can you can quickly scan it see a word or two of interest and then you might start to read if you're so inclined in other words maybe if you're that goal-oriented group and you're looking for something about it but sometimes it can be hard to get people to click the videos do you have any insights on that?
0: Uh, Yes, definitely. Because we know that a lot of time we put the article and we put also the video and people start getting confused between what they should do now. So we need to choose one platform and to stick with it. So we need to understand that for emotional content, the best thing would be to show a video. And if we just want to see, to show them a scene from uh, from an article or from a, a news that we want to describe, so that's okay. But usually we don't need both type of platforms.
1: So would you suggest then that on websites there should not be video and uh, lengthy text on the same page? Uh, no, on the same topic. On the same topic. Okay. So you're you're saying video and text on the same topic on the same page? Yeah,
0: and let me give you an example. And actually, this is uh, the third tip that I wanted to give exactly on that. Something that very interesting that we saw. And actually, the tip is to take the environmental cues or the context into consideration, even in the online arena. And most times we don't do that. And the important thing that we need to understand is that our brain didn't develop as fast as our technology. And one of the basic human needs is to crave for control. Now, the loss of of control is the same. And it doesn't matter if we're in the jungle fighting for our life, trying to cross a busy street or standing on stage in front of a big crowd. And the reason I'm saying that, that recently I helped one of our clients, an influential news organization to analyze customers' behavior on their website. And they were trying to push video content by having it load automatically automatically on their article pages. So whenever a visitor enters the page, the video automatically starts playing. Now, there was nothing wrong wrong with the video, but what we have found is that visitors tended to always click on the pause button as soon as they encounter the video, because doing so puts the control back into their hands. And control is the most fundamental human needs. So when things feel out of control, our bodies immediately respond subconsciously in order to get the control back. And that's why what happens when you try to push things too much and not take into consideration our uh, brain and our cognitive limitations.
1: Yes, I can understand that I would be one of those pushing the pause button. It's just it disrupts you a little bit. So you you hit pause and then you go, okay, now I'm ready to to get to this. So again, I want to get back to that that question just to make sure I have the clarity. Are you saying that you should use video and lengthy text on the same topic on the same page or you should not?
0: No, you should not. No, if you have uh, a content that uh, is more appropriate to 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 a text platform, so that's what it should be. So first, as I said, we need to adjust and to make sure that the type of content fits the fits the type of mindset meaning that watching a video is more emotional so i would uh, i would uh, adjust video to be on a more emotional topics and text for more uh, rational type of uh, cognitive process and i wouldn't say uh, i wouldn't actually place video and text for the same topic on the same
1: page. Mm, Interesting. All right. Um, But certainly you could extend it or make it supplementary to that, um, either by creating another page, um, or maybe even what about putting it further down on the page? Yeah, that's another idea that
0: works. Exactly.
1: Great tips, great information, a lot to this brand journalism community. It'll be in the show notes at thinklikeajournalist.com. It is time, Lariza. You've been hired to help an ailing company. It's about to financially collapse. Its reputation's shot. You've got to think like a journalist. You've got a month, a thousand dollar budget, a smartphone and a laptop. How do you begin to turn this company around? Wow, that's stressing. Um, I would
0: start by changing the way their customers use the product or solution. Now, science has taught us that the only way to drive customers to use a product is to encourage the formation of a new habit. Now, funny enough, companies mapping out their strategy, they often tell me that their goal is to be thought leaders. But after studying consumer psychology online as uh, same as offline it is clear to me that conversation needs to be about behavior not definitely not about thoughts and the goal the goal shouldn't be for consumers to be familiar with your product but to integrate into their daily habits so i would start by identifying one or two simple patterns of behavior that are related to the product and designing cues and rewards around them. Now, in order to form a new habit, you need a trigger and the trigger tells you what you need to do next. Meaning if you hear the sound of notification of an email, you know that in order to read the email, you should actually click on the button. And the routine is the behavior that we want to initiate and the reward, the reward is the most important part. So let's talk about the reward for a minute. It is so important, and there is a very famous um, case that actually demonstrates how important it is, and this is the Pepsodent case. Now, about uh, a decade after Pepsodent, the toothpaste went on sale. Competing toothpaste companies launched a massive project to figure out why it was such a huge success. Eventually, they tripped over something very surprising. Surprising, sorry, the Pepsodent recipe. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike other toothpaste of that period, Pepsodent contained citric acid, and they didn't make it in order to to make the customer use it. They actually put it there because they wanted they didn't want the paste to become gluey as it, it set on the shelves. But those chemicals add had another surprising effect. It created a tingling sensation in the mouth. And the tingling doesn't make the the toothpaste work any better. It just convinces people it's
1: doing the job. Wow, that's interesting. You know, it's funny how our brains work like that. We have to have some level of proof. And if we can't, you know, see the proof, like, you know, my teeth look whiter, cleaner in in one day, you have to convince me by putting it inside the the toothpaste and having me taste it or feel it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? And in the same way, shampoo doesn't need to foam and facial moisture doesn't need to smell good. And it's all part of the reward loop, getting you craving for something. And consumer they need some kind of signal that the product is working. And after a few repetitions, at several repetitions of the trigger, the behavior and the reward, a new habit is created. And the thing that is very surprising about it is that we know that a study by Duke University found that 45% of our day-to-day decisions are not really decisions, they are habit. And as I always say to our clients, you want your product to be in that 45 percent.
1: That is correct. And, you know, I studied nonverbal communication in college, and it's kind of like the nodding when you're having a conversation. That's that same approval or that same, you know, reward when when there's a speaker talking and you're sitting in the audience. You know, As a speaker, I would always look to the people who were nodding or kind of smiling. You could see they were taking it in and that was like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I'm making a connection. They're, they're yeah. with me still. So we are just designed that way. Lot to this, I can understand why uh, you're so busy because there's so much to study now yeah. when you have it in not just the real world, but the digital world. So thanks for sharing your information. Really appreciate that. What is one piece of technology, video, multimedia equipment, or an app that you just can't live without?
0: I really like TED Talks because you get to understand different and be exposed to different topics that you didn't even think about. And it's so condensed and you don't have to be everywhere. You just and you can sit at home and be exposed to all these
1: knowledge. So this is amazing. Name one book, documentary, blog, podcast, or an internet channel that you'd like to recommend.
0: A book, Behave by Robert Sapolsky. This is one of uh, the best books I've ever read. And if you don't feel like reading 800 pages, you can listen to the Walking Up podcast with Sam Harris that interviews Sapolsky And the book ranges from how neurons and hormones influence our behavior to how emotions are an essential part of the decision making or in what situation genes have an influence on our behavior. And most importantly, he discusses the illusion of free will. So he he makes it very clear that our behavior, good nor bad, are dictated
1: by our brain circuits. Expert predictions, the year is 2025. We are gradually closing in on that. Love to get your feedback on what the world will look like for social media, business, you know, and this whole digital behavior experience. Wow. So in
0: 2025, I believe that customer experience and emotions will be one of the key differentiators for brands and businesses. I believe that we'll stop focusing on conversion rate is the only success indicator and we will be able to predict success based on psychological signals or implicit interest indicators. Now, we know today that digital interaction, same like face-to-face interactions, are based on non signals. So when we interact with others, we consciously process this and we keep doing this in the online arena. So we will be able to track all those signals automatically. And I believe that the key to business success in the future will be to realize that by understanding those customer digital body language and digital cue, we can measure and evaluate and personalize their experiences better than any other measurement. And
1: also we will be able to do so in real time. Lariza, thank you so much. You've shared some very valuable information. I appreciate you being on the Brand Journalism Advantage. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this talk. Hey, Brand Journalism community, you know that you can find all the valuable information in the show notes. All you have to do is head on over to thinklikeajournalist.com and in the search box, type in 422. And this interview and the resources mentioned in this episode will pop right up. Subscribe to the Brand Journalism Advantage podcast and be the media. Now, go think like a journalist.